Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the 24th day of April 2014, and thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, I will be rocking the show solo, unless I have some guys calling in. i got some guests that might pop in, friends of the show, if you will, that might pop in a little bit later, but... Um, It's going to be the old school, traditional format for the most part. Um, I'm going to touch on a couple of issues that uh, that have made it into the news that I I think need to be addressed, and and then we can move on from there. Obviously, we have big developments in the Ukraine. We have um, huge developments in the in the Bundy case. Not really developments, but the media is going to make sure that they spin it that this guy is a racist bigot and. and really detract away from the real issue at hand, which is the de- debate between states' rights and uh, federal government. So that's going to be covered a little bit later on in the podcast. And um, gosh, just a ton of in- interesting information out there. So once again, I appreciate everybody for making me a part of your Tuesday and Thursday night, tuning in from 9 o'clock. Well, it's actually going to change as of next week. So um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, next week on Tuesday, I'll still run the Thursday night show, but the Tuesday night show will be shifted to Sunday. So just as a friendly reminder, I'll put it on the website, uh, wearenotcowl.net, and I will also be sure to post it on the Facebook page. Remember to like my Facebook fan page, and also to follow me on Twitter, I'll put it out on my in the Twitter sphere as well. So just to keep you guys informed, it will be um, 11 o'clock on Sundays now. So I'll do a Thursday night show from 9 until 10 p.m. and an 11 to noon show um, on Sundays. And the majority of the time, the Sunday show will be live. So once again, I will be accepting phone calls as always during the show. And if you want to, you can try to find me through the um, dial-in number, or you can just message me on um, Facebook, and I'll give you my Skype number, and you can call in that way, because Skype tends to yield um, better audio quality. So now that we've got the show laid out, let me first address the Cliven Bundy situation. Now, earlier this afternoon... Clive and Bundy made some statements, and I hope that this comes through on the on the board. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed, because once again, last time I tried this, we ran into some technical difficulties. So here is what Mr. Bundy said this afternoon that has got the media, of course, in a fervor, because, yeah, we can't have an intellectual debate on anything. We can't really have – oh, and by the way, people listening on Liberty Movement Radio, thank you so much for listening in. You can't have a real debate about issues. You have to have a political football debate so that you can go back into the controlled paradigm and we can get people into thinking in their little one-dimensional and two-dimensional boxes that we've been so politely put into through our 15,000 hours of government schooling if you went to public school. Now, if you're a classically educated um, individual, then you would find all of this stuff to be absolutely atrocious because it's not really getting to the meat of the issue. But I did monitor um, 
MSNBC as well as Fox before I came on the air and noticed that um, MSNBC dove right into the race card, um, had a couple of their guests come on to talk about how racist it was for him to say it. And absolutely it's racist for him to say it. But I'm sorry, but your First Amendment actually gets to protect anything that might be deemed racist by any so-called authority, as long as it doesn't harm anybody else or cause any kind of violent action. So this obviously didn't cause any kind of violent action, but the media would like to make it think that everybody that is on the side of this man that believes in states' rights and and believes that the federal government shouldn't own any land, which they shouldn't, and, and technically this land is a UNESCO property under Bill Clinton's executive order back in 1998, I want to say. I'll have to post that in the show links um, after the show because I'll have to pull that executive order up and find out where all of these uh, bio – whatever they're called. Oh, gosh. What are they called? Ah, anyway, if I had Mr. Josh Wiley on, he would be able to help me out with that one. But um, some kind of biosphere or something like that where they have to have the segregated land off to the side of the quote-unquote protected land. Basically, they utilize the – the endangered species argument, much like they do here in Georgia to protect a snail in order to steal from other countries and from other – excuse me, not from other countries, from other counties and other states. So it's a very much a political move, but you know the mainstream media would like to think that it's not political and there's no backroom deals and nobody's going to profit from this and nobody ever goes and – and gets into government to to try to get um, foreclosed houses at discounted rates and and run scams because people in government are usually pretty honest and pretty straightforward. Unless you're the president, and then you just lie on a day to day basis, and you nobody cares because you gaslight the public and say I didn't say that. I never said you 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 couldn't have your you could keep your doctor. I never said that. So. Anyway, for people that don't know what gaslighting is, look that up. It's a very interesting definition. It's a psychological warfare term, So, um, which is pretty much what all mainstream media is now is psychological warfare because you can't have an independent thought in America. You have to play for a team. You have to either be on Team Bundy. You have to be on Team Democrat, Team Republican, and that's the thing that creeps out people is when you say you're a little L libertarian, you don't play for a team, and like myself, I'm a philosophical anarchist. I think that government is silly. I think that having other people make decisions for us is silly, and I think that the people with the mentality to believe that they need to be dominated by other people is silly. But once again, that goes back to the root cause of the problem, which is the classical and operant conditioning you have received for the 15,000 hours of government schooling to render you virtually helpless. That's why they have these standardized tests, and it's always to improve grades and improve scores. You know, I've never gone to a job interview where my where I've just blown the guy away or the or the or the female away or whomever is interviewing me. I didn't mean to be, you know. See, that's my political correctness already coming out of me. I'm still brainwashed. The person entering me or interviewing me. There we go. The person interviewing me says at the end of the interview, "Wow, you are a really great fit, and you've got all the qualifications that um, that we see here that really fit the job description. I really like your personality. I like who you are. I like how you interact with other people. You have a great vocabulary, but um, you know, saw here that you made a D." In geography, back in 10th grade, we're just not going to be able to let you in. 
So the whole racket of schooling, the whole racket of the college educational system, especially here in America, is um, is just an absolute sham. It's it's a debt slavery tool to sell you out to, yes, the global bankers and the elitists that have actually set up this system in order to put you into a virtual prison that you can never get out of and that you will always be, quote-unquote, in debt. Isn't it so fun? That's why the financial system is set up the way it is to create debt. That's why the schooling system is set up the way it is to create debt. Everywhere debt, 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 because it is the new serfdom. Isn't it so great? Isn't it so great to be a slave and you don't even know it? Slave to the almighty dollar. I'm sure you've heard that before, but hopefully after my last statement it makes a lot of sense. So the Clive and Bundy situation has now spiraled out of control in the mainstream media because of a couple of missteps. And I'm going to try to clarify what this man was saying because a lot of there's some tidbits of truth in here, but yet sprinkled into the tidbits of truth, you have some um, poor choice words, I guess would be the best way to put it. And, you know, I guess it's racist, whatever. I think that uh, any kind of speech that offends somebody is pretty remarkable that you let words actually intimidate or threaten your person. I think that that's actually kind of a, a novel concept that, that somebody can can make noises and sound effects with their mouth and it puts you into a vitriolic state or an angry state. I think it's pretty fascinating to be honest with you. So here, let's see if we can go to the clip, and gosh, I hope it works. So here is the Clive and Bundy issue from this afternoon. Um, take a listen as the video spins and spins. Okay, so it doesn't look like we're going to be able to pull this up. Oh, wait, here we go. The Negro. I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. When I, when I go, went, uh, go through Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, <coughs> And I would see these little government houses. And in front of that government house, the, the door was usually open, and the, the, the older people and the kids, and there's always at least a half a dozen people sitting on the porch. They didn't have nothing to do. They didn't have nothing for their kids to do. They didn't have nothing for their young girls to do. And because they were basically on government subsidy, and so now what do they do? They abort their, their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, you know, are they better off as slaves picking cotton, having family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidy? They just transferred. Yeah, they didn't get no more freedom. They got less freedom. They had less uh, family uh, alive. And their happiness, you can see in their faces, they weren't happy sitting on that concrete, concrete sidewalk. Down there, they were probably growing their turnips. So that's all government. That's not freedom. Okay, so taking, once again, the the racial overtones that he did have there out of the situation, let's look at, let's analyze what he said, and let's see if it's correct or incorrect. Um, blacks have aborted their babies. Uh, yes, that's true. Um, not only blacks, but whites as well. And it's, if you're a pro-life person, then I guess that would be a big issue for you. If you're a pro-choice person, that's probably a good thing. But 
the way that you have to look at it, I guess, from this perspective, or at least the, the looking glass that I see through it, is that it is um, – there's been 50 million aborted babies here in, in the United States alone. And yes, that's true. And no, they don't put their black people in prison. The actual the, – the system puts the black male in prison, even though equal amount of offenders on either side, black, white, Hispanic, whatever – um, are either caught for drugs, caught for any kind of crime whatsoever, but the system preys on the black male. And whether you want to admit that or not in America, and you can call me a racist if you want, but the facts would back me up on this as well, is that it targets black males because that's the way the system is set up. The system was set up a long time ago by the robber barons to push black people away from one another and create this idea that you can separate a population through divide and conquer, separate the men and or the 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 husbands and the wives of the household and split them up and then let the state raise the children, which is, as we all know, a great, great idea because the state never takes advantage of anything. It always does the best. But once again, this is a plan that's been set up for a very long time, and typically the black demographic is the one that gets tested on. And that's not my personal opinion. That is in any anthropology study that you want to go to. Um, when you're talking about the, I guess, the class that the system preys on, it'll typically lead the black class. And back... Um, or the black race, and I guess back in the – even before slavery or pre-slavery or right at it, the, the slave ships, if you will, the Irish were the, um, were the race of choice or the ethnic group of choice. So it's always been somebody. Somebody's always the beta group for the national rollout, and now what we're seeing here through the predatory state of the United States, it's no longer a criminal justice system. There is no justice involved. It is a criminal punishment system. You are not innocent until proven guilty, and we see that on a day-to-day -day basis, especially to the young black men of America. And I hate that because I have a lot of friends of mine that are black guys, and it's just like you understand. I, I can't even imagine what they go through. Can't even imagine. You know, all they have to do is, like uh, one of my friends said, he was just like, all you got to do is just be driving while black, and something's probably going to happen. Like, you got to be on your P's and Q's. And that's just really sad that we're at a point now in a society that we have all of this technology. We are supposed to be so advanced, and yet we still do silly, silly things. Like, have government set the age for people to consume anything? How is that even an issue? So the Clive and Bundy thing, to sum it all up, what he said, statements were falsified, I guess. Some were incorrect. Some were correct. But I can't put words in the guy's mouth. I can't even get in the man's head to understand where he was coming from. But to come out with declarative statements and say that, that's, um, that he is a racist and that he believes all these things – it's really hard to judge a person's character by one little rant, even though that pretty much summed up the idea. And you know, he calls them Negroes. Well, that's okay from my perspective because it's a generational thing, and people have to get over that. You have to get over the generational slang, okay? Like for my grandmother, she called them colored people because that's what they were called in that age, in that in that. Um, in that specific 
era. They were called colored people, the National Association of Colored People. I mean, excuse me, NAACP. And so, but that's what they were called. And yes, it might be a derogatory term, whatever. Once again, words and phrases shouldn't really offend you. You should look at the bigger picture of this. Why is the media blowing up about this and making it all about his race and him being racial? Because they don't want to make it about what it really is about. It's about states' rights. It's about the the idea that the federal government owns any property whatsoever, which under the um, under Article Four they are only supposed to use federal land to create states. And once they've created these states, then they turn that property over to the state and the county, and the county manages. But it never happened. So you know we stole the land anyway. So if you want to go all the way back to the Indians, yes, we ran them off, killed them, and then just said, oh, we look, we found this land. So. It's a complete rabbit hole to go down, and I think that we should all look at the bigger picture here, and that is the expansive federal government and the increasing hostility of federal agents, armed federal agents at that, towards the American people. That should be the question. I don't care if the people are armed. The people are allowed to be armed. The people were not aiming guns at the BLM. The BLM were aiming guns at the citizens, marching up with their hands up, citizens marching up with their hands held high. One of them goes out there and says, I'm a reporter. I'm a reporter. And they're aiming guns at him. Is that the country you want to live in? Is that a free country where you want to protest something? Even if you believe that Bundy's right or not or if he owes the money or he doesn't, let's take a look at the bigger issue here. Do you really want your government coming to you with a bunch of people that are non-sanctioned officers, non-sanctioned? Once again, these people are agents of the state coming to point guns at you. To collect money. Interesting. So that's my take on the Clive and Bundy thing. I I support the state's rights issue of it. Um, the fact that he made these remarks is kind of stupid. I mean, he's 67 years old. He's He's been a rancher his entire life. He probably thought that that was pretty well, I guess, founded around his, his group of people and that he could make these – very, very large assumptions that people had chickens and gardens when they were slaves, which is not true. But anyway, let's get away from that, and it's really distracting me from the bigger issue, which is where are we going to now? Let's talk about um, – let's see. Let's talk about the Ukraine situation. So interestingly enough, over the past um, – now let's say past couple of weeks – after the United States has injected NGOs, non-governmental agencies, the West has injected NGOs over to the Ukraine to destabilize the nation and put in radical neo-Nazi groups, we are now at this big juncture where the Russian government has put on a pretty aggressive posture in the fact that they said that any issues or any um, attacks on the I guess, Russian-friendly parts of the Ukraine, the pro-Russian parts of the Ukraine, will be considered, um, I guess, aggressive acts and that they will respond accordingly, which, if you recall what they did in uh, Georgia back in the 2008, if you guys follow history that much, um, the United States played this game. Once again, the empire plays this game a lot. We we go and inject groups that don't really have any affiliation with our government so we can kind of distance them called USAID, which is one of the biggest faux pas. I mean the biggest front, just ridiculous name 
for somebody. Oh, it's USAID. We're so good. We're bringing democracy. No. We're going to go overthrow a country that doesn't really want to play ball with the EU. That's what we're doing. I said the UN last show, and I should have said – somebody should have caught me. I meant the EU. So if you have the EU, which is the European Union, and they have all this money, and they're in a lot of, bit of, a lot of trouble because they were there to implode the economy and once again reconsolidate this thing under their magical agenda of world government that will be so great and so wonderful because we obviously see that governments all across the world are never oppressive and they always treat citizens with respect and they – and they always do what they say they're going to do. They never lie to their public. They never do any secret testing on their public. They never even you know, chemically try to alter their public state of consciousness by adding stuff to their water supply. They just don't do it. Governments are good people. So when you're talking about this idea of world government, how do they plan to get it about? Well, that's a very, very long show, and that's probably like a three-hour episode. Anyway. So let's get it back into the Ukraine situation and what we're really, really dealing with here. You're dealing with a neo-Nazi group that is now basically in control. You're dealing with lies from the media, obviously. Lies from Time Magazine came out, and they posted this article that, oh, Russian troops are in the eastern Ukraine. Yeah, and they photoshopped the images, and they got caught, and they had to issue a retraction. And, of course, they issued a retraction on page number nine and said, oops, we're sorry. We kind of photoshopped this in, and we didn't vet this source, and yada, 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 yada. And go research the history of time, and then you'll understand why these groups are doing what they do. Because they don't work for the American people. They do not represent your interests at all. They represent large, corporate, family, elitist interests that are hell-bent on controlling energy and money. Once again, the only two things that you ever need to try to follow. Anytime you see a war pop up, a dictator removed... Any kind of slander coming from the the Western media, typically go find yourself some money or some energy. Remember the Coney 2012 thing? Oh, Coney's down there. we got to get him. Hadn't been seen for seven years, but we're pretty sure he's down there raising hell, so we got to go in there and bomb him and secure Uganda. What's Uganda got? Oh, they got a pretty big oil supply, probably bigger than Iraq, but um, don't worry about that. We don't need to worry about that. Mm-mm. Not a big issue. So let's get into the crisis in the Ukraine. So here is what the Russian foreign minister, and this is what I was mentioning earlier. This is what he told um, RT, and he said it in English, and hopefully I have the uh, I have the audio clip. I think it might be in the article. It's not embedded in the article. I'll just read the excerpts from it, and then I'll expand on it a little bit. So speaking on Russian-owned television, RT, um, Lazarov um, – said ready-made solutions will not fix a crisis in Ukraine and instead that the U.S. cannot run the show in each and every part of the globe. Shocker. The Anglo-American establishment can't rule the world? Come on, dude. Just give it the times. Look at how great they treat the American people. It's fine. He warned that Russia would respond if interests of Russian citizens in the region were threatened by the Ukraine's actions, drawing a parallel to the 2008 war in Georgia. He says, in quote, if our interests or legitimate interests and interests of Russians have been attacked directly, then we will be like they were in south of Sedia, for example. I do not see any other way but to respond in accordance with international law. They mean full-scale bombardment and pretty much goodbye everybody in the Ukraine. 
which would be really great for America because then you get to sell a bunch of weapons deals. And not America. Remember when I say America people, I don't talk about us, the slaves. I don't talk about the American people per se. I talk about the American interests, the big corporate interests that actually do run this country. And I do have a clip that i got to play uh, a little bit later from Lee Camp in his last moment of clarity. He gave me permission. Friend of the show, Lee Camp. I'm going to have him back on here in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that, guys. Um, sorry, got a little sidetracked. And says, although he did not elaborate on what the response would be, I'm pretty sure they'd roll in like ICBMs like they did back then and threaten to nuke everybody. He insisted that the attack on Russia in attack is on any part of that would be an attack on the Russian Federation, and Moscow would respond accordingly. So, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff, and very scary stuff, if you understand that the Russians typically don't bluff. Not really in their repertoire. So now I'm going to move on to somebody that I can't really like for his political stance because he can flip-flop with the best of them, but he is a pretty, pretty knowledgeable person, and he did write a pretty good opinion article here out of CNN, so I'm going to shift gears to that. So once again, you've got the Russians threatening the Ukrainians, trying to figure out what side of the civil war they want to be on, and they do have a legitimate beef with the Russians, as I said before on the show many, many times. When Stalin came through and wiped out half of their population and then brought the Slavs in and basically split the country up, um, yeah, you got some beef there, guys. I'll admit that. So, and it says, the twin dangers of the Ukrainian crisis. And this is by Newt Gingrich, so take it for what it's worth. He's, guy knows his history, but he is a super politician, and this is a bunch of chicken hawk warmongering, or yeah. So I'm going to read you the whole article and really expand on what he's talking about, and then I'm going to get into a little bit of what I saw, once again, checking local, I guess not local, checking mainstream media and finding out what, what's on their, you know, what's on their agenda, uh, watching the O'Reilly factor before I came on. Remember the no-spin zone, but every time that Mark Dice would call up asking about Bohemian Grove, he'd hang up on him. So anyway, back to Newt Gingrich. It says, this year is the centennial of the First World War, 100 years ago this month. In April of 1914, no one thought this would even be a war. But war began, triggered by events in Eastern Europe. By the end of July, it became an enormous shock in a retrospect, almost like the Titanic in an iceberg. In the end, it shattered Europe, cost tens of millions of lives, bankrupted countries on purpose, and changed forever those that survived the horrors. A century later, we focus again on Eastern Europe, the site of the regional conflict that threatens to entangle the world's leading powers. The situation in the Ukraine is a perilous one, much more so than the current debate acknowledges. Thank you, Oh, wow, Newt Gingrich is actually supporting my point of view. Oh, not nice. Okay, so here comes the spin selling, everybody. In Russia, we are dealing with a large country in the world, largest country in the world geographically, a country that possesses thousands of nuclear weapons, plenty of ballistic missiles, and a ruthless determination, determined leader motivated by nationalism and an imperial drive. Sounds very eerily familiar to somebody in World War II, but you know what? Let's continue. A leader who has an entrenched machine capable of keeping him in power for a long time. 
In the Ukraine, we are dealing with an ally that fought alongside us in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, great. Two wars that actually ended up really well for us, and that was not in the article. That's just me. And a nation now threatened to be conquered. Okay. By a much stronger neighbor against which it can't defend itself. So here's the selling. In Europe, we are dealing with a continent that is far more than half a century has relied on the U.S. to guarantee peace. Because that's what we've done over there in Afghanistan and all these other areas. We've just brought peace to people in Iraq and Iran, uh, Egypt, and the Middle East. It's peace everywhere. I mean, throwing al-Qaeda in there, putting the Muslim Brotherhood in charge in Egypt, funding rebellions in Libya, funding al-Qaeda in Syria. I mean, we're good people over there. Guarantee peace, security, and freedom. Don't forget about freedom over there. Brought plenty of freedom bombs to those people. We've kept the promise through NATO and the alliance with Eastern Europe that threatens to be seriously undermined. In the United States, we are dealing with a nation of very weary of war. Um, yeah, because the people are waking up to the fraud. After more than a decade spent in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the public is wary more of an armed intervention abroad. We need a national debate on what our policy is going to be. Thank you. That was actually a very cogent statement. And we need to engage our friends in Europe on what our policy is going to be. Retired NATO General Wesley, General Wesley Clark, uh, a Rhodes Scholar at that, and his colleague Philip Cobber, a former Defense Department um, official, detailed their recent report from the Ukraine that the Obama Pentagon has adopted the position that we are not going to be helping the country in any offensive weapons. Offensive weapons include, for example, Kevlar vests, night vision equipment, and aviation fuel. Okay? So, for a while, the United States has sent thousands of meals ready to eat to the country and agriculture exploder. The administration has refused to send even non-lethal equipment that could help the Ukraine defend itself and possibly avert war. Well, we're bankrupt, Newt. What do you want us to do? Instead of sending military supplies to Ukraine, we hear talk of more sanctions, yeah, which are acts of war, but eh, who's keeping score anyway? And yet, as I discussed on my podcast this week, I suspect that it would be apparently quickly that the sanctions against Russia and Vladimir Putin are going to be irrelevant. Yeah, that's pretty true. He said... <laughs> He is a very or he's a very tough man. Yeah, KGB all the way, son. He has a very big country with the immense natural resources. He can cause pain fully as much or he can cause pain fully as much as his neighbors can cause him pain. He can block American shipments to Afghanistan from coming through Russia by the northern route. He can cut off natural gas flow to Western Europe, which is what this is really all about. And he can veto the UN Security Council, which can further obstruct sanctions against Iran. Once again, more acts of war, but who's counting? This is a very difficult situation and two enormous dangers. First, the Obama administration. Uh, here we go. Now, here is the political dog and pony show, everyone, and save the best for last. First, the Obama administration is doing very little, in which case – Brzezinski runs the Obama administration. They're doing exactly what they want to do, dude. Come on. In which case, it would become less safe 
As we show weakness to our allies and the Russians seek to reconstitute the Soviet Empire. So here comes, once again, as Josh Wiley and I said three weeks ago, and pretty much everybody that studies history and off the mainstream media is saying, here comes the next Cold War. Here come the Russians is going to try to create the Soviet Empire again to battle American freedom fighters. You mean American imperialism, dude. And second, we're doing things too clumsily in the... In which case, uh, as of 100 years ago, a bad combination of miscalculations, delusions, laws, and alliances could land us in a war when no one intends. That was actually a pretty decent article, Newt, except for the fact that, you know, you kind of spun some stuff there, but that's okay. That is okie dokie. Okay, so we're about halfway through the podcast at this point. Um, I am going to try to find this Lee Camp clip, which shouldn't be very difficult. And I'm going to, in the meantime, go ahead and pull up the article that I wanted to talk about in Time Magazine. Even though I just bashed Time Magazine, they actually did make a very good point. And that was talking about lowering the drinking age. See, I think, and this is just some crazy wild philosophy... That if you're old enough to go get shot in combat, that you might be old enough to handle an alcoholic beverage if you so choose. Or you might even be able to participate in non-state-sponsored drugs because anything, anybody that really follows this stuff understands that the government ships in most of the drugs and then arrests the end users because it creates a – I think it's a $400 billion industry. So there you go. That is what we're dealing with here. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, once again, I am, I am of the proponent that as long as you are in your house and you are not causing harm to anybody else, you should be free to put whatever in your body that you see fit. If you want to smoke meth in your house, that's fine with me. You get behind the wheel and go hurt somebody or go out in the public and, and, and cause somebody harm, then absolutely you should be held accountable. But it's not the government's job to protect us. It's not the government's job to put people in black uniforms to keep us safe. It is the government's job to regulate trade, protect us from foreign invaders, and that's pretty much it if you believe in government at all. Once again, I think government's a silly idea. We should just call it what it is, a group of people put together to rule you. And here is... What I wanted to pull up, and this was great. This was a scientific study that was done by Princeton, and all you really had to do was listen to this podcast for two years to realize you already knew this stuff, and you can file this under the the little filing cabinet – excuse my language – shit you already knew. So here is what Lee Camp said in his moment of clarity. It's a three-minute clip. Enjoy, everybody. Once again, friend of the show, Lee Camp. Uh, dropping some knowledge on people, even though he and I disagree on some philosophical things, he got this one on point. We got no plans, no plans at all. Evil man's always transcending. I don't like sheep, swallow everything. Always simpletons or pretending. This is your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. The academic journal Perspectives on Politics published the first ever scientific study of whether our country is a democracy or an oligarchy, meaning rule by a small class of elites, government by a few. And although it's not in the Webster's Dictionary, I'd say it's government by a few douche monkeys. 
But Webster's is never up on the modern language. Did you know they still don't have the expression bucket of tater twats? I had to go elsewhere to find that definition. Not there. I check every day. Anyway, the study used a unique data set that includes measures of the key variables of 1,779 policy issues, a massive undertaking. I didn't even know there were that many policy issues. If I were to have to name all the policy issues, I could, let's see, you got abortion, immigration, whether it's okay to pay a, a cheap hooker with ice cream, whether fat people have to buy two tickets on an airplane, whether an unborn child can own a firearm. That's it, I think. Well, luckily, academics are smarter than me, and they studied 1,779 policy issues, taking variables into account and found that the U.S. system of government is, drumroll please, oligarchy. The U.S. is an oligarchy. Tell the contestants what they've won, Bob. They've won little to no say in the policy decisions of their country. They've also won a media that relays the message of the elite, despite the reality for most Americans. That media will largely be staffed and run by other elites who have little to no connection to the common man. Policy choices such as massive trade deals or pipelines cutting across the country will be conceived, fleshed out, promoted, and voted on by a small group of oligarchs. The people have also won a history book, which is where they'll have to go if they want to learn about what real democracy looked like. But we're not done. They also won a new car! which is where they'll be living after their foreclosure. And in the new car, they can cook their meals on their new George Foreman grill. Watch the fat just drip off. If it makes you feel any better, you can call it oligarchy with a hint of democracy, but really that's like being on fire with a hint of water. Kind of still on fire. This is a study that every American should know about. Every man, woman, and child should know that the democratic republic we claim to be proud of has been wrested away from us and put in the hands of a few hundred rich, white, male motherfuckers. And fine, if you want to split hairs about it, there's three women and two black guy motherfuckers who've been added just to spice things up a little. The study said the preferences of your average American have only a minuscule, near-zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. This is an academic study that you won't hear about on the corporate media. All right, the diagnosis is finally in. Our system has cancer. Are we going to try and fight it or just lay back and pretend the doctor was wrong, pretend that this doesn't matter? We can change this. We have the power. And now we also have a George Foreman grill. That's been your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. All right, so there you go, LeeCamp.net, friend of the show, and as always, dropping some really good truth on everybody. And once again, we, um, he and I will philosophically disagree, but we agree on the major issues, and that's what this is all about. It's not about coming up with my idea of a utopian society. It's not about my idea of what we can do. It's about how we can change the un believably flawed system that we've become and it's become our fault i mean it really is it's well i mean our fault our parents fault our grandparents fault for people for not being involved and that's what um that's what it takes to have a republic if you want to go back to a constitutionally based government which i would actually love because it would be something that would limit the power of said douchebags as lee camp just mentioned so now back to the drinking age Sorry to shift gears on everybody, 
But once again, I believe that this is a crazy notion. Um, if you can go take a bullet from your country, you should be able to buy a beer in your country. And so Time Magazine wrote this nice little article that talks about the, the ruling age of 21 um, sets the American, sets the United States apart from all Western nations and lumps it into a small representative countries like Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Indonesia, Qatar, uh, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates. And if any one of you guys can find four out of five of those on a map, I'll give you a dollar. Congress was stampeded with punctual laws by the mothers against drunk driving. Well, all the good intentions strongly intruding into the area of personal choice that exactly did what the hymnless singing in the 19th century temptress crusaders crucified by Carrie Nation smashing beer barrels by a hatchet. Temperance fan... Excuse me. <clears throat> Temperance fanaticism eventually triumphed by... And triumphed and gave us 14 years of prohibition. Yes. So what does the government do instead of saying, well, we think you should be able to do whatever you want? We say, nah, nobody can do anything because it's been proven bad for you. So we're gonna, we're going to go ahead and keep you, keep you safe from yourself, and um, we're gonna go ahead and enact this thing called prohibition. And so what we're gonna do is by having that, we're going to create a huge. And they get into it here. I'll get into it after. Uh, I'll get into it after the article. Now turn a that in turn spawned this crime syndicates for smuggling booze like the Rockefellers, um, laying the groundwork for today's global drug trade. Yes, absolutely. Run behind your oligarchs, everybody, and your big corporate banks that lobby all the drug money, or excuse me, launder all the drug money and lobby it as well. Uh, launder all the drug money and don't ever get in trouble. Or if they do get in trouble, it's a little slap on the wrist. Nobody goes to jail, though. Everything's fine. What a country. Just keep going and watching football, people. Now that the marijuana regulations have been liberalized in Colorado, it's time to strike down the, the dictatorial national law. Government is not our nanny. The decrease in drunk driving deaths in the recent decades is partly attributed to the more uniform seatbelt usage and strengthened DWI penalties. Today, furthermore, there are many other cases of traffic incidences, such as careless use of a cell phone or prescription drugs like Ambien, where somebody, like they did in Georgia, was driving the wrong way on 285 at 2 o'clock in the morning. But you know what? That's all right. Make sure they're not on alcohol. Enlisted in the recent trial equivalent of Kerry Kennedy for driving while impaired. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Excuse me, guys. If I had one of those burp buttons, I would do that, but I don't. Um, learning how drinking responsibly is a basic lesson, of grow lesson on growing up. As it is drinking wine in France or Germany, it is a family-oriented beer gardens and festivals. Wine, is, wine was built into my own Italian-American upbringing, where children were given simps of my grandfather's homemade wine. Civilized practice descends from antiquity. Beer was... A, a nourishing good in Egypt and Mesopotamia, and wine was identified as a life force in Greece and Europe. Hmm, imagine that. Something else I know that um, is relatively harmless and actually has life-extending qualities. And anyway, sorry, wine was a sacred symbol of unity, and regeneration remains in the Christian communion service. Virginia Woolf wrote, "Wine with fine meals lights a substitute for the suburban globe, which is the which is the rich yellow flame 
of rational intercourse. Absolutely. What is the culture in 1984 law did deprive young men the safe places where they could just happily drink cheap beer, socialize, and chat and flirt freely, but be a controlled public environment? Hence, in the 1980s, we were immediately gotten screwed and crude binge drinking at campuses, fraternity keg parties, cut off from the adult world. Absolutely. That's exactly what this kind of stuff brings on, but I'll get in, elaborate on that here in a minute. Women in the boorish free-for-all were suddenly fighting off date rape, club drugs, exody, blah, 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 blah. Alcohol relaxes, facilitates interaction, inspires ideas, promotes humor and and hilarity. Uh, Used in moderation, it is quickly flushed from the system and the excess punished or with excess is punished by a hangover. But dead-dealing pills like today's massively over- Prescribed antidepressants linger in the body and the brain and have unrecognized long-term side effects. Yeah, but, you know, drug companies are making their money and my doctor prescribed it to me, so it can't be bad. Those toxic chemicals over-manufactured by shadowy firms abroad, duh, has been worrisome has been worrisomely present in the recent uptick of unexplained suicides and massacres. Wow, Time Magazine, whoever wrote this op-ed piece, bravo, you were getting an email from me. Well done. Half of suburban professional class in the U.S. is doped up on meds these days. You dang skippy. As a libertarian, oh, never mind. We now have the answer to our question. I would support a decriminalization of marijuana, but there are many problems with pot. From my observation, pot may be great for jazzy musicians and beat poets, but it saps energy and willpower and can produce psychological feminization in men. Okay. Also, it has a difficult measure in the potency of the plant derived from the substances like pot. With a brand name like beer or liquor, however, purchases and doses have exactly the same strength, purity, content, and additives and contain no dangerous additives like PCP. Exhilarating ecstasy and communal vision and given All right, so anyway, that is, that's basically the wrap-up of the article. So up until the point where she you know, kind of backtracked on, on pot, I think this was a very, very well-written article. And once again, it is my philosophy that as long as you are not harming anybody, I don't see the the issue in whether you're using pot or any other non-state-sponsored drug. I really don't. I, I think that it becomes a it becomes a societal issue once you step outside your door and you step into public. That's why they have a perception of privacy, and that's why we're supposed to have a Fourth Amendment because your home is supposed to be your castle, and therefore you're supposed to be able to do whatever you wish to do in your home as long as you are not infringing on the freedoms of other people. I since go back to a debate that Jesse Ventura had with Adam Kokesh on Adam's show where Adam stated that um, – Jesse Ventura, he wanted to know where his freedom began and and um, and other people's freedom ends. And Jesse Ventura made a perfect libertarian statement is that my freedom ends where it infringes upon your freedom. And that is perfectly correct and succinct from a philosophical standpoint. Now, most people are going to look in at this perspective and say, but if we let everybody do what they want, there's going to be anarchy. Well, guess what, people? Just because some politician – put some words on a piece of paper, doesn't mean that people are going to listen. I mean, you know what? If we just outlaw murder, nobody will do it. And if we outlaw rape, nobody will do it. And if we outlaw drinking under 21, nobody will do that either. You can see how silly government is once you get into real-world pragmatic applications. 
once you see the, the racket of government, which is, by definition, or at least by my definition, the monopolization of force, and then through coercion, taking money out of my pocket and putting it into somebody else's that it sees fit while taking a little piece of the pie as it goes along, or just magically mishandling, misappropriating funds, or the, all over my favorite, budget increase. We have to have the mandatory 8% budget increase every year. Why is that? Um, just we, we got to have it. It's kind of like the Federal Reserve has to have their 8, 6% guaranteed return on investment every year. Why is that? Why does a private banking group that loans our country money and interest get a guaranteed return on investment? That's just the way the contract's set up. Charter, man. Come on. It's a contract. It's the only way we've ever done it. Listen, you, you ain't for the Federal Reserve. You ain't for freedom. So anyway, enough of me being silly. All right, we got about 10 minutes left here, so let's look at – some of the other issues that I had pulled up here. So I had the drinking age that I wanted to cover, wanted to cover the silliness of government, as I like to you know, frequently touch on in these shows a lot, because we have to get to a point where, where you have to take ownership for yourself. You have to take the idea that if you want to be free, you have to live free. Imagine that. You might have to break a on pieces of paper. There might be a law stating that you can't do something. Well... It's either you consider yourself a free individual with rational thought and the ability to rationalize and, and make informed decisions and do whatever you will please, not go out once again, not go out and infringe on anybody else's freedom. But if you choose to do things, that's your choice. And if you choose to break the law and you get caught, the quote-unquote laws that they have on the books, on this um, criminal punishment system that we have, then understand that you're going to suffer the consequences. But don't walk around scared. This is America. We were supposed to be land of the free, home of the brave, right? And now we're, as Alex Jones says, and I really do like the tagline, land of the cowards, home of the slaves. Because everything is about keeping us safe. Everything is about protecting us from ourselves. And if we didn't have this huge federal government to do it with all these big budgets and guns and missiles and warheads and all of this stuff, then we'd just be so, so out of touch. So I think that one of the things that we can take away from this episode that I've run tonight is the idea the idea that speech number 1 is protected whether you're a racist bigot or if you're just an individual spouting their political philosophies over the airwaves it should be protected especially speech that's inflammatory because that's the speech that needs to be protected if you're going to sit there in the status quo and talk about we we need to we need to do things we need to do more stuff for the for the children we need to get them away from abusive parents we need to do all this stuff well I mean going along with the status quo is easily protected under the First Amendment because nobody cares because you're staying inside this little box but when you say outlandish things like I do that say like government is silly let's let's imagine what world would be like without government without people marching around in black uniforms without people um, coming into your home and offering up papers and all of that good stuff. Oh, oh, and by the way, having people point guns at you and taking your land from you through eminent domain. Oh, isn't that fun? That's what government brings us. We gotta save. We gotta save this turtle, Jake. So what we're gonna do? Excuse me, not this turtle. We gotta save this snail. So instead of you getting your water from Lake Lanier, which is 25 minutes from your house, we're gonna go ahead and buy water from. 
Kentucky and buy water from Tennessee and buy water from Florida. Do you see how silly that is? The fact that we have to protect a snail, and I understand people, I understand there's living organisms on this planet that we need to respect, but you also have to understand that there is this little thing called extinction, and there's a little thing that if you believe in these nice little concepts called natural law, that there are some animals that have a distinct timeline where they will be extinct, and I am pretty sure that humans have a distinct timeline as well. As much as we would like to look at ourselves as being in control of this, whether it's a simulation, whether it's a, a, a just a, a ball of gas out in the middle of nowhere in Never Never Land that rotates around other galaxies, then so be it. But think about this. Eventually, there was a time when humans weren't here, and eventually there will be a time that humans will not be here. So what do you choose to have? Do you choose to have the ability, since you are, since you are a, an independent individual, that we could actually do things or construct ideas that might be able to curtail all of this political mumbo-jumbo? Remember, having people in suits, in, in, in chrome – not chrome. That was such a bad messed up. <clears throat> in these ivory buildings, make decisions for us based upon – very, very little information, and then having people get paid – remember, this is government – having people being paid to coerce them to sign documents that they have no idea what it says. Think about that. Think about that. Only 5%, 5% of Congress rejected the NDAA, which said that they could secretly black bag you and throw you in a dungeon for in, forever and ever I'm in. Just because somebody in a suit says that you're a terrorist or you're on a list somewhere. You don't know how you got on the list. You're not allowed to see how you got on the list, and you don't know how to get off. You're just on a list. It's fine. It's fine. That just seems fair, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem fair that you have rulers in the 21st century? In 2014, we have rulers. Isn't that amazing? Now, there's a philosophical, I guess, argument that you could say… Well, if the United States goes over and liberates these countries and we bring them freedom, well, it would be great if the United States was the United States. It would be great if we were actually bringing freedom to these countries. But what do we do? No. We go and fund the most radical people with this stupid philosophy that the enemy of our enemy is our friend. No, the enemy of your enemy might be your damn enemy as well. So don't give me that crap. Just because you guys want to have no-bid contracts and sell weapons, and because Eisenhower warned you guys that there was going to be a military uprising here in America, and that all this stuff was going to come home to roost, and don't let it get out of control, and make sure everybody's paying attention, then what happens? Prussian education model is in full swing by 1950. You are indoctrinated into a mind of thinking that makes you a reactionary, emotional creature without any logical thought whatsoever. Have you ever, ever, ever sat there and thought about why did we kill all those millions of people in Iraq? Excuse me, one million. Why? Why did that happen? It didn't happen because – I guarantee you it didn't happen because the troops wanted to go over there and get shot at and shoot at people. No. It didn't happen because I wanted it to be done. It didn't probably happen because you wanted it to be done. It happened because a bunch of people that sit inside an ivory tower in suits told you to go over there and do it. And once again, order takers are the problem. 
And here's the even bigger problem. 15,000 hours of education teaches you to be a yes man, to be an order taker, and to be a follower, not a leader. And I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll end, I'll end with this. Find out what these academics want out of the Ivy, Ivy colleges, Ivy League schools. They don't take the kids with the best grades. Watch the ultimate history lesson where John Taylor Gatto talks to the head of the enrollment at Princeton and asks him, what do you look for in a candidate? And they take people that show initiative that aren't in the status quo, that have already figured out by the time that they're 18 that it's all a joke. I knew when I was 16 that there was nothing that I was learning in school except maybe history and science and math that was going to ever give me any kind of leg up in society. It had nothing to do with it. What I found and what I'm still finding and what you should know, this is very simple. There are things that will make your life so much easier. Number one, be as honest with yourself as you possibly can. And be honest with other people. If you don't know something, don't pretend to know. If you don't know, it's okay to say, hey, I don't know that. Maybe I should look that up. Maybe I should read a book. What book would you recommend that I read up on that? And then what you'll find out when you ask that person that question is that they probably don't know as much as they thought they did. So then you learn together, and that's how we grow. That's how we grow as individuals. That's how we grow as people. And the next thing that I have learned is to be kind and generous and smile a lot and be happy, especially if you live in America and you're listening to this podcast. Dude, you got an iPhone. You got some kind of connectivity to the Internet. People in third world countries don't have this stuff. People in third world countries are trying to figure out where they're going to get water tomorrow. 90 I mean, think about things like that. And number three, once again, be honest with yourself. Be nice to people. And number three, respect other people. You don't know what their day's like. And when I say that, when you interact with other people, and people are having a crappy day, and you can tell they're having a crappy day, respect that and respect them. Because what we've been taught in society now is that everybody has a say and that everybody's opinion is right. That the individual, that us, the individuals, that we are right, that we have the authority to tell people what to do. No, you don't. Just be considerate. Be kind. Be understanding. And most of all, question everything that you know. Because I, I guarantee you, if you question all these things that you knew for certain, that you will find out that you really didn't know a whole lot, and that you probably didn't know as much as you thought, and then eventually you'll get to the point where, you, where I am, where you realize you didn't know anything. And that's where you can really build on being an individual. So thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, next Thursday, no podcast Tuesday. Next Thursday night, 9 o'clock. And then Sunday show starts next Sunday at 11 a.m. Take care. Peace, love, and liberty, everybody. Take care and get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Okay, that was the wrong audio.